Welcome to another episode of the Your Home Buying Guide podcast. This is your one-stop shop home buying guide where every week I'm going to bring in industry experts to answer all of the most common home buying questions. I'm your host, Guy DiPlacido, and this week we are joined by Michaela and John Healy from Jack Conway and Situate, husband, wife, realtor, duo, extraordinaire. But I want to, I want to start this off by letting you guys brag about yourselves for a little bit. So tell us about how long you've been in real estate. Why did you decide to join the business together here? Yeah. So I started in real estate before John. I started about three and a half years ago. It was actually the first week that the COVID lockdown happened. Of course, we didn't know that at the time. Um, I think in, in a way, though, that helped my business to take off pretty quickly because the COVID market hit and things were moving quickly. And I didn't have to relearn a job that a lot of people had to relearn. So I was kind of given this opportunity to jump right in, clients wanting to buy houses with low interest rates and all that fun stuff. So over the last three and a half years across Massachusetts and Rhode Island, I've done about $23 million in sales, which is awesome. I'm very excited about that. Um, hopefully, hopefully it only goes up from here. And since then, about six months into it, uh, John joined me in the in the business part time. And, you know, obviously a lot of the success that I've had, I can attribute to having an assistant slash teammate on uh, on the go with me. So what about you? Yeah. Like you said, started in real estate, maybe six months after Michaela in 2020, just in terms of like doing the coursework. I think I got licensed the year after. I work full-time in contracts um, with a big aerospace company. So I do real estate kind of secondhand, but it was a relatively easy transition into like having a little bit of background, regardless of whether it, it doesn't apply to the topic, but having a little bit of background, just like on the legalese of like needing to know different things to pass the exam, it, that was helpful. And we just kind of realized that it was it was becoming really hard during COVID with the market the way that it was that for Michaela to be in two places at once. And we found like it was relatively straightforward for, for me to go show Michaela's clients a house or, you know, I showed our house, you know, when we <laughs> sold it, like, you know, just had a license and showed it because Michaela was literally with another client. Like she would have done it or we just, yeah. you know, the way that the market worked and the way that things panned out, especially during the pandemic, it was just really hard to be in two places at once because it was just a frenzy. So you know, it was just kind of, uh, hey, COVID, we're locked down anyways. Take a couple classes, you know, sit for the exam when you're ready and just try to help out. So that's kind of how, how we've, we've developed the team per se. Yeah, hey, thanks. <laughs> love that. Love that. <laughs> so one of, the, one of the really unique things that I love about you guys is you're also fellow podcasters. Yeah. I wanted to start, I wanted to start here. So like I've, I've been doing this podcast now. I think this will be the ninth or 10th episode. So a little bit over two months that I've been doing it, but what made you guys decide to get into the podcast side for everyone listening, relatable real estate. One of my favorite listens out there. I know it's in the title, but relatable it truly is. Uh, so what made you start the podcast? I think like with any big decision in our life, I made John start it. Um, I, I kind of came to you with the idea. I do a lot of marketing. I do a lot of social media. And I was starting to think, what's next? I, you know, I'm not exhausted with social media by any stretch. I haven't hit every piece of it that I can. But I was starting to think about what's next for us in terms of marketing. What is the next way for us to be able to show people that we feel like we're experts in this field and that we can offer info? And 
I came to John with the idea to do a podcast because I had initially started it almost as a book idea. I had started to write some things down. I was going to go that route. And then I said to him, I think one of the things that makes us unique in this business is that we are a husband and wife team. We have a relationship behind the scenes and people can relate to that. We've had clients work with us because they know they'll get both of us and what we bring to the table. And so when I approached you, I said, I mean, say, feel free to say no, but would you like to do this with me? I think we could have a lot of fun and be able to provide some insight to people. I was assuming you'd say no and I'd have to convince you, but you said yes right away. Yeah. I think a part of it was we have two young kids, uh, I think, which makes part of it, you know, relatable and the <laughs> podcast interesting because we had good stories, but they've gone to school and it was just, we really wanted to use it as an excuse to like be able to do something together. Yeah. Um, like, yeah. you know, right now the kids are in school. And so like, it's nice just to be able to take a little time out to to do something, the two of us and, and make it something that's worthwhile. It's not just about like the real estate business where I would say relatively young in the grand scheme of life. And if you I know, like to think so. <laughs> and, we, and, and have owned three houses, have a lot of like horror stories, really good lessons, just like different things about ways to move up, ways to make the place you're in better. And we said, it'd be really great if we could communicate that on like a wider scale, yeah. just to anybody who wants to listen. Like, cause we started from complete scratch, right? No knowledge about home buying, about different ways to do things while you're in the house. You know, yeah. who do you got to pay? I mean, besides, you know, just how do you manage being a homeowner? And we said, we just, maybe this is the right avenue to take it because it's widespread. Whoever wants to listen can listen and we'll, we'll be the ones to talk. So that's kind of how it started. I, you know, just said, hey, let's give it a shot. Podcast is such like a, it's an easy medium to kind of get started in. And like, I've, I've been doing this. I've talked about it on here before too. And like, I know we spoke about it, but I've had a Celtics podcast where this is coming on season four. So deciding to get into another podcast for the mortgage slash real estate side was a pretty easy transition for me. Yeah, I wish I started it earlier. Like I'm kind of kicking myself for not, but it's I've got a lot of experience doing everything real estate specific. Yeah, I've I've done a lot of work, and we're, we'll talk about some of the projects that you've done at your house too. Uh, later in the podcast, but like I've done a lot of stuff in this realm. Like I went to a tech school for carpentry. Like I talked about that on the podcast too. So I have a lot of other experiences and kind of similar to your story. Like I wanted to be able to provide as much value as I possibly could for my clients. And that was kind of what prompted me to do it. But it's just been such a a good medium to talk to people like yourselves while also providing a, a ton of value for some of these, whether it be first-time buyers or just buyers or sellers in general. Uh, so it's definitely been a lot of fun. You guys do a really good job at the podcast, promoting it. You know, what is you know that one thing that you think you do better than every other realtor out there or realtor out there? That's a good one because I feel like for you, not being super deep into the business, I mean, you're assisting more often than not. And I feel like that's a unique piece of it. I think that gives us an edge. I like to tell my clients in listing appointments and in buyer consults, you this is a two for one deal. You, I almost never have to say no to a showing or timing because if I can't be there, John can. And I mean, I think that's also a unique piece of working for Jack Conway. We all are a big team and there's a lot of people who could pick up the slack if I can't make it somewhere. But to be able to keep it between the two of us and keep all of our business really 
I say in house, but it's literally like in house. <laughs> it's like if I can, it, the fact that we have that opportunity, it, a lot of sellers' eyes kind of light up by this idea that it's I, I don't ever have to say no um, because I can be available, and if I can't, John can. And so I think that makes I would say gives us a little bit of an edge. I think I've also started when I started doing real estate given the condition of the world and that nobody was really going out and things like that, marketing and video marketing was something that came very early on and very easy to me because it was just, I had no choice. If I wanted to get business, I had to be doing social media and video marketing. And I think that has brought, I won't say a lot of clients our way, but that has given us a platform, I think, to teach and educate. And of course, we're hoping that's the same thing for the podcast. But Social media is where it all started for me. And I have a lot of people that I've connected with there that have, you know, that's where we we have gotten quite a bit of leads from that source. And I think I, I won't say that me being in video marketing is what has is what makes me better or different than any other realtor, because there are a lot of them doing that. But I do think that is something that sets me apart in an industry that didn't necessarily have that prior to COVID. And just kind of when I started in the market gave me that push and edge to be like, well, I have no choice. If I want business, I got to do it. It's very much one of those like adapt or die mentalities. Yep. Like that's that's kind of the way that I've looked at it. Like when I when I first started, nobody in my industry is doing this. Right. Like we, I was, I, I'm, listen, I'm not going to say I was the, the pioneer because there's, <laughs> there's, I'm sure there are thousands that actually are doing it at a much higher level than what I'm doing. But when I look across the, the other loan officers in my office, like no one else was coming anywhere near doing stuff on social media. Right. Like they've they've been in the industry for so long. And I say this all the time, like as a loan officer, there are thousands out there, right? Most of them have been doing it for 20 years. Yep. And they're sticking with the same kind of strategy that they've had. They've built up their huge book of business. Yeah, and they're continuing to work off referrals. And honestly, at some point in my career, I hope that's the case for me yep. too, right? But when you're first starting things out, the things that you were doing 20 years ago, like that doesn't that doesn't really work the same nope. way. People are always on social media, and they spend a lot of time there. Why wouldn't you be showing up and trying to promote your business that way? And that's just kind of the strat, like. The mentality that I approached all of this with, try to figure out something that nobody else is doing yeah, or it's not that not a lot of people are doing and do it better than everybody else. Yeah. I think that's just kind of been one of the things that I've been trying to. And from, from your standpoint, right, if you're going to a listing appointment or a, I, I mean, hell, even a buyer's consultation, right? You have the ability to go out and say, listen, I've got... XYZ, X amount of followers on Instagram. I reach this many people for the podcast. My network that are looking at everything that I'm doing is much bigger than you're going to get anywhere else. Yeah. Yeah. Right. It doesn't matter that you haven't been in the industry for 20 years. Some of those people in the industry for 20 years, they still don't have the reach that you have. Yeah. Because you're so active on social. So it is a huge advantage for the people like yourselves that are constantly going out and trying to promote your business on a platform that so many people are using on a day-to-day basis. Yeah. 
And it is, truthfully, it is crazy how many things happen on social media now. It, I mean, you see deals going down in on Facebook, in Facebook yep. groups, off-market deals happening. And if you're not in tune to those things, you're doing your sellers a disservice by not posting them there, by not advertising them there. Yeah. But that's also where I've found through social media, through Instagram, through Facebook, I have found tons of off-market properties for my clients to be able to see. So it's about, I think it's it's about a balance of finding your following in potential clients on social media and then also fellow agents who are going to be posting those things so that you yeah. can get those opportunities for your clients too. And I just, it's, you know, as I think we talked about this at our meeting, it's like, and it's free. If you do it right, it's a free tool to be bringing in leads. I mean, how often can you say that in this business? Correct. Not a lot. Right. It's but, crazy. Yeah. You guys on the podcast, at least, have talked about some of your, you know, DIY projects, whether, you know, you want to be doing them or not. John, I know you guys, uh, you have some opinions on that. But can you talk about some of the projects that you've done in the past uh, at either this house or, you know, the last two that you've had? I would say, I mean, some of the my favorite projects we've done at our last house, we had three bathrooms, but two of them were on the main floor and they were both full bathrooms and it didn't make any sense because there weren't any bedrooms down there. So we ultimately decided to rip out one that was directly next to the kitchen and we turned it into a walk-in pantry. And that was truthfully, that set the bar almost too high for any other house we ever owned because... I miss it so much. And every house I show with a walk-in pantry, I'm like, oh my God, I miss that so much. But that was a really fun project. That was where I learned how to install cabinets myself. You learned how to do drywall. That was a fun one. Um, you did the flooring in that one. And then I would say ultimate, like best project that we've ever done would be our kitchen at our current house. It was by far the biggest and by far, I think the best transformation we left the layout and we left the cabinet bases, but everything else went. We did all new cabinets, all new countertops, new floors. I took one of the walls down, which that was that was about a year after we did the kitchen. And I came to John and was like, can I take this wall down? And by the end of that day, I had you with a sawzall, like cutting two by fours. So we've, we've had a lot of fun doing projects together, but it definitely was not always okay. <laughs> yeah. I mean, in terms of just DIY, like you said, I, I kind of follow Michaela's lead. She's got a way better eye than <laughs> I do and just a better vision. I'm great at following direction. Questionable. Well, yeah. But um, <laughs> I kind of leave the inside to her and I help out when I can. I'm more of the outside kind of guy. Just just curb appeal, right? General curb appeal. Like if you could put me outside, we don't get a lot of time here in New England, as we all know. You're, you get a good maybe seven, eight months and then then you're stuck inside. So you could stick me outside all day with a weed whacker and a mower and a shovel and and you'll find like I'll crawl in at the end of the day. Um, yeah. That's kind of where I've where I've tried to manage. I mean, we had a kind of a smaller ish yard, our second house, but, you know, did the best we could on this one on that one. This one was much bigger and needed a lot more work. Um, and so just, you know, we got in the house, kind of got settled in the spring and then in the fall, I just kind of overhauled it. And it was by far my favorite because it came out good, you know, and, and it's it's one of those things where you just you have to continue to maintain it over time so it keeps you busy. But yeah, I was super happy about how it came out. And, you know, it's just simple stuff, just, you know, keeping your eye on it and maintaining it. But 
those have probably been my favorite is just doing the outside, you know, just driving up, seeing something that looks nice. Yeah. That's where I, that's where I feel warm. I love living outside too. And yeah. All of the, all of the yard work, everything outside of the house is 100% handled by me. Yeah. My wife does a lot on the inside. I'm not going to, not going to knock that whatsoever. He does way more inside, keeping the house clean and all of that. Um, as far as the outside goes, that's my domain. Love every bit of it. But I know, I know we talked about like, you guys don't really come from a, a background where you've done a lot of these DIY projects before. Like you don't come from a construction background. Can you talk about kind of how you got started, why you decided to, you know, give it a shot? Because I think a, a lot of people going into the home buying process, at least that I talked to, they're, they're very much set like they want to move in ready house because they're not handy and they don't think that they can handle these projects. So can you kind of talk about how you got started and your experience so far? Yeah, I think I think we kind of got started because we had to. Our first our first house, we kind of I mean, we looked at a million houses. Our poor first agent that we worked with, he went all over the world with us because we I think initially went into it thinking we would get something nice, upgraded, move-in ready, starting to realize that if we wanted to be in the area that we wanted, something that needed work was going to be the way to go. We were lucky in that our agent at the time coached us really well to say, yeah, that might sound brutal right now, but that's how you're going to make money on the other end. That's how you're going to be able to build equity in your home which as a first time buyer, we were like equity was that, that's a different language. You know, you don't even know what that means. But if I could give any advice to first time home buyers, and I do videos about this on social media all the time, my biggest piece of advice is find a house with good bones that needs work. We weren't ripping out walls at our first house, but we were upgrading. By accident. But- Thank <laughs> that was whoopsie. But, the, you know, we were doing we were doing upgraded paint. We were doing countertops, you know, things that would make a big impact, but not break the bank for us as first time home buyers. And ultimately, I think in realizing how much we could save by doing the work ourselves, we were willing to learn. And I think given that it was our house, we were like, okay, if we mess it up, at least we're going to be able to, you know, we had a good handyman on standby to say, come fix it. But we YouTube our dads, and that's pretty much it. That's how we that's how we learn. Borrowing tools and going to YouTube. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we've touched probably every area of a house across the three houses that we've had. I think, like Michaela said, I remember, and I'll tell the story, we were replacing the countertops in our first house in our kitchen. And this was six or seven years ago. And in the course of ripping the counter off, I had, so we did it ourselves. Like I ripped the counter and then we had a professional come in and install them. And I had ripped the tiles off the backsplash, right? I mean, yeah, it's just stuck, right? And in the course of that, the drywall came with it. And I remember it, so you were saying like accidental holes in the wall, but this was seven years ago. No, but the entire wall ripped. Right, this is seven years ago. You're a first time home buyer. I called my father in an absolute panic. Like, oh my God, I just tore the wall out of my kitchen. He's like, buddy, like, don't worry about it. We'll replace it. Yep. It's just drywall. Like, it's just drywall. And so, like, the more, like, you're going to make mistakes. It happens. The bottom line is, like, know the things that that you can handle and that you need a professional to handle. Mm-hmm. And and that goes, that's different for everybody, right? I don't touch electrical. I just don't, I won't do it. Like, I do. I risk it. But, what like, you know, and plumbing, there's a certain yeah, level, no. like, plumbing as we've gone on through the three houses, there's a certain level that I'm willing to take on. 
before I got yeah. But like you yeah. start to find like little things. YouTube is free education. I learned besides like having to rent the right tools, yeah. I learned how to drywall and I learned how to floor, like to do hardwood flooring all by YouTube. Nobody came in. I did it all by myself besides getting the tool. Like you got to buy the tools and make an investment, but it's such a good education platform. And if you're watching the right videos of people who aren't like, you know, the experts in drywall that just like whip through the wall and they're like, this is how you do it. Like you get the people who are like, hey, this is 15 minutes of like, yeah, you can make it look good and you'll do it on yourself and you save yourself probably thousands. I mean, that's what we've found yeah. over time is just the cost of you doing things on your own is so much less if you can pull it off than having to pay somebody to do it. Yeah. And yeah, you know, that's what we figured. We're like, we might as well try it. If we mess it up, we'll call a pro. Yeah. Like we have so, a couple of so you guys have done so much. Like, again, you said you've touched almost every room of the house. Yeah. When it comes to all of these projects, how are you creating a budget and a plan for those projects moving forward? I am not. I am just saying, let's do it and see what happens. And then you say, slow down, let's make a budget. And then we slow down and make a budget. I think the way that we typically look at it together is, what do we think the total cost would be? We sit down, we look at materials. Do we have the tools already? Most of the time we try not to do projects where we'll have to be like investing significantly in new tools and things like that. Yeah. But if we sit down and say, okay, you know, we were just talking about the example before this of our playroom upstairs that we just redid. And we sat down and, and we said, okay, if the budget comes out to like $15,000, we're not going to do it. It's not worth it. It already is finished. It's just not what we like. And redoing that for $15,000, we probably won't get that back in an investment. But if our total mass adds up to, I don't know, five to seven grand, probably makes sense. I think having an upgraded third floor, would we would get that back eventually. Um, and, and it's worth that to us. So I think it's a little bit of twofold to say we make up the budget, but then we examine it from, will we get that money back? And is it worth it? for us in our lifestyle living here. Um, always looking at it from an investment perspective, I think is important. Houses aren't forever. Things change, life changes. So to make sure that if something changed tomorrow, you'd make that money back, I think is is an important piece of the puzzle. She's the vision right. behind it. Uh, I'm the numbers guy. <laughs> so I'll, I'll- I don't like it. So I'll try to do the math to say, hey, if we're doing the room, what are some things that I can do myself like that I know generally how much it'll cost. Um, and then what are some things that I'm gonna have to pay somebody? Like, so in the playroom she was just talking about, we had to redo the carpet. Yeah. Like that's gonna come from somebody externally. We went out and got a bunch of different quotes, looked at carpet. Okay, here's generally what it costs. And then you kind of find your way around the DIY portion as it goes. You know, you know generally how much a can of paint costs. I didn't know we were gonna be using as many cans of paint as we did in the room, but- Oops. Um, you know, you kind of start to have a general feel for what that that's going to be. And like Michaela said, we try to avoid projects where like, yeah, we're going to have to invest or rent some sort of big tool that's going to cost us a problem. We did get the the electric nailer, which was awesome. Yeah, but like that's life judging. That's, that's worth that was worth the money and more. Um, but it typically falls that way. It's just, you know, what's a top line number? Is it worth it? And do we think we can fit it in there based upon the combination of do we need a professional for some things versus what we're going to do ourselves? Yeah. I think anytime you're going into any sort of project, you need to start putting to like figuring out if you're going to get a return on investment. There's like, there's two different mindsets, right? Like obviously you don't want to be spending money that you're not going to get back down right. the line. 
but you also need to be comfortable in your home. Right. At the same point. So like for me, when we, when me and my wife bought the house that we're in now, our, our kitchen was the size of probably your walk-in pantry, right? Like it was <laughs> like genuinely the smallest kitchen I've ever seen in my life. And we walked into the open house and we're like, we could not live in yeah. like a house with a kitchen this size. Like we both love cooking. Like both cook together every single night. Love that. It's one of the one things that we do every day and like yep. are consistent about it, right? So we weren't going to buy a house that had a kitchen that small. But that was the only thing. That was the only drawback yep. of this house. And it's like, again, with all of the stuff that I've done working in construction, I know I can fix this. Like I yep. know I can make this kitchen twice the size that it is now and it would be comfortable. The layout would be great. And she's like, okay, like how much we're going to cost. And I'm, I'm really good with knowing exactly what I need to do to get a project done. My dad is very smart about putting together numbers. He, he could tell you exactly how much it's going to cost. And he did within like a thousand dollar range. Yeah. And it was a big project. Like we ripped down walls, you know, all new flooring, all new cabinets, like did everything. Yep. And he was like spot on with pricing. So it's not always the same. No, nobody, no project is ever the same. Yep. Nothing's ever going to be like set in stone. But these projects are more possible than a lot of people think. Yes. And you might not be the the big DIY guy. You might not be the person that went to a tech school for carpentry like I was. However, you guys are willing to learn. You went yep. on YouTube, you found out how to do it and you just made it happen. Yep. Right. And I think that's so important for all of those potential buyers yes. here. Right. Because it's very easy for someone to say, okay, yeah, guy, like you went to a tech school. Obviously it's a little bit easier for you to do this. You guys didn't and you still made it work. No, I was, I have a history degree. That's, that's what I bring to the table. <laughs> Drastically different, right? Yeah. yeah. Not ripping the walls. No, I, uh, I joke. And that's why, like, I, that's why I wanted to have you guys on. Cause this is like, it's so, it's such valuable information Yeah. because listen, this is a huge investment. Yeah. You're putting a ton of time, money into this potential home. You want to make sure you're a comfortable yeah. And be going to make money when you sell it down the road. So doing as much as you've done, what are some of the like low budget projects that can provide a bigger ROI when you're going to sell your house down the line? There's a couple of different places, I think, just given how many houses I show and what I think wows a client is the kitchen is definitely one area that is not low budget, right? You can't yeah. gut an entire kitchen under 50,000 anymore. It's crazy, but there are things you can do to make it look more appealing to buyers as long as the layout's okay. I think the low budget, like what we did at this house, you might not believe it because I think what we did is awesome, but it was low budget. We did, instead of doing all new cabinets, we went and got custom cabinet doors and we saved I think our quotes were like 40,000 for cabinets and our we ended up spending I think 3,000 on all new doors and it looks like an entirely new kitchen. Um in that sense we also I had our first house we didn't do much to the kitchen at our first house but we swapped out the countertops. And 
walking in and seeing quartz countertops for first time home buyers who were looking at our house when we sold, that was a huge draw for them. They're like, we haven't seen a single house that has nice countertops. Like it, we didn't do much. We painted the cabinets, but having those nice upgraded countertops was a $2,500 investment on our end, but then helped to sell it on the other end. So I think if you can, you know, I never want to encourage somebody to do like lipstick on a pig, right? If your kitchen's awful and you can't gut it and redo it, it's probably okay to just say it is what it is. Let's price it accordingly. But if if the kitchen could use a little bit of upgrading, a little bit of bringing it into this century and and you can afford to do it, then I would say those are some little projects that would make a big impact when it comes to your actual return on investment. Yeah. And John, before before you dive into to your answer here, unless you're very happy with McMillan's answer, I just want to dive into the kitchen piece. The whole upgrading just the cabinet door or even like even throw in hardware, right? Yeah. That right there saves so much money. Ridiculous. And again, that's the only thing you really see, right? Yeah. You don't really see the inside of the cabinets. Yeah, like all of them, pretty much the same. Like it's yeah. storage, right? It's the it's the cabinet door. It's the hardware that you choose. Like all of that stuff is the thing that your eye is drawn to, especially when you're going to yep. sell house, right? So doing something like that, a huge, huge cost savings. And I now I love that suggestion. Yeah, and I now share that. It's it's actually a perk to know that as a listing agent and a buyer's agent because I recently had a listing that. Quite frankly, the kitchen was like not upgraded. It was pretty dated. And I had people come in and be like, oh, but I'd have to gut the whole kitchen. And to be able to look at them and say, actually, you probably wouldn't have to. You could. These bases of the cabinets are fine. Most of them, like you said, are all exactly the same. Whatever they install is going to have a very similar base to this. If if you were to swap out all of these cabinet doors and put on new hardware, probably be a thousand bucks for a kitchen that size and it would be an upgraded kitchen with shaker doors that everybody wants and you know so I think being able to have that tool to say we did it and I think that's when we started doing projects we were like this is also just cool to be able to guide our clients to say we've done that we've tried that we messed that up so don't you know learn from our mistakes and so I think having all of those tools in our toolbox to be able to share that with clients makes a big difference on what clients are willing to look at for homes. And then Jan, now I'll, I knew you were about to say something. So what's yeah, yours? the grass. He wants to talk no, about the lawn. No, it's not. All right, so I'll, but I'll get into that. So <laughs> you did. Um, the doors is like the cabinet door and being a, be able to buy one that's painted and like already made like two sides. All you need is a tape measure, right? We came in during, we just asked like to come into the house, yeah. you know, when we were in the process of purchasing it, measured all the cabinet doors and had them ordered, right? They take a little time, but like all you need is a tape measure, like in a piece of paper. And it makes a massive difference in, it is so hard to paint cabinets, to paint cabinet doors, right? Whether the sprayer or the painter at our first house, we did it manually. It was terrible, terrible. Cause you got to do both sides and stuff like that. And it's just, oh, this made a world of difference. So couldn't agree more about the kitchen and the cabinet door situation. But also just a quick plug, since guy is a lender, if you are going to order them ahead of time before closing, do not put them on a credit card and do not open yeah. <laughs> Do not open a new credit card. Yeah. Good, yeah. Plug. Good, plug. Good, great, great plug. Yeah. <laughs> Huge plug. That's right. 
Yeah, I don't. I think just in terms, and I'll keep mine brief. I think um, painting is huge. I think anybody can paint. Yeah. Make sure that, like, you know, whether it's the walls need a little bit of work and you do a little spackle and kind of give yourself a smooth picture and pick a good color that works, you know, for you. I mean, everybody's different. Some people like eclectic styles, but, you know, pick a color that works for you or pick a neutral or whatever is in style. Our, um, our first house, the kitchen was lime green. Yeah. Which was not easy to cover with paint, but that's why nobody wanted the house, yeah. truthfully. And yeah. we painted it like blue and sold it two years later. Yeah. Nobody cared. Every color, right? Look, Michaela makes the point to every first night home buyer, which is look past the paint. Because painting is very easy. It's a simple job. It's not that hard. Um, and it's and it's low cost, right? You just you need some tools and a can of paint. And that's really it. Couldn't say more about painting. And painting trim, as bad as trim is, if you have like a nice wall and you got bad trim makes a huge difference. No, it's terrible, right? But it's just, <laughs> you need white trim paint and a paintbrush. Like, and it makes, we painted the trim in the kid's playroom, right? We were just talking about like being upstairs. It makes a world of difference. Like yeah. being able to see the contrast between the walls and the trim. It just, it's so much cleaner um, yeah. visually. And yeah, I mean, I'll put in the plug for the grass, right? Low cost. Um, it, 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 it takes, yeah, it yeah. takes a little bit of sweat and a little bit of time and you grind through it. But there's something about driving up to you, right? When you think about potential buyers and it's not like you're always trying to think about but we talk about we are. homes are an investment but it's not like oh i'm always thinking about what do i need to do when i go to sell it or whatever it might be but there's a huge difference between you're driving up at least for me and i think for a lot of people where you're driving up to an open house or you drive by somebody's house you don't see the inside you have no clue about the inside yet but if you see that the outside's maintained and it looks nice and you're like wow that you know what great bushes you know shrubs or it was so yeah, yeah. It shows that the person cares. It gets right? If you take care of the outside where people's going to look at it, how do you take care of the inside where, mm, you know, no one's going to see it until someone sees it? And yeah. I just think it makes a huge difference for me. Like when we've seen houses to say, ah, like, you know, I know I can fix it, but man, what else is wrong if, if yeah. the you know, you can't cut the grass? Like, yeah. Um, low two very low cost things that anybody can do. A lot of my, my lawn guys. So I'm with you on that. One little funny, I don't know if it's funny or not. It was pretty disgusting actually. But when I bought my, uh, my basement, it's like a, it's a pretty good size basement, like fully finished. We bought it. We walked downstairs. It was dark red. And then they had one accent wall that they painted like mustard yellow. Ooh, McDonald's. Like a cabaret. Like a, like a, the grossest thing I've ever seen. Like what were these people thinking? Yeah, but right. yeah, one of those that you you walk in, ignore the paint color, look at the house and be like, okay, I can work with this. And then we just yeah. down, painted everything white, bright, yeah, out, and now it's great. Now yeah. we always said, if the people who owned our house, our first house, had just painted neutral colors on the wall, we probably wouldn't have been able to afford it because yeah. it w it would have sold so much higher and it would have cost them a hundred bucks in paint. And I mean, luckily they didn't because we were the only people who could look past the colors and we were able to get a good deal on it because of that. Because it literally wasn't just a lime green kitchen. It was every room. It was awful. Every room had a different odd color. There was sponge paint involved. Yeah. In one room. Love that. Love that. Yeah. It was a clan. Right, I want to I wanna make sure I can get you guys out here. So I, I love ending every podcast with this question. And it, it's not specific to buyers, like it's specific to you guys. What is the best piece of advice that you were ever given in your career? My dad is like a really big advice giver and he's really good at it. And he does it in a way that is very relatable to anybody. I think that's maybe where I got the sense of like trying to be relatable to people. 
But we always joke when we're out on the golf course because his like life advice go to is it's just a chip and a putt. And so if you're no matter where you are on the golf course, it's he'll be like, oh, it's just a chip and a putt. And at the time you're like, I never, ever get it in the hole and just a chip and a putt. But <laughs> and I'm 200 yards. Away. Right. That's besides the point. But he says it with, you know, things happening in your life, too. And I think that uh, it maybe that's what's given me the like might as well give it a try gene that I have, which is if I'm looking at a project, I have my dad in the back of my head saying it's just a chip in a pot. And you're like, well, what's the worst that could happen? I don't get it in in a chip in a pot. OK. And so I think having it sounds so silly, but it, it, it really is like now with everything in our life, we just we look at it. And we're like, is it just a chip in a pot? And so I think two chips, three pots. But right. Usually it's three pot, at least. Yeah. <laughs> Double bogey. But it uh. I think at the end of the day, it gave me the confidence in my business, in our DIYs to say, really, what's the worst that could happen? And to just be confident that like, hey, maybe it is just a chip and a putt. That'd be pretty cool. Um, so I know that seems silly and it's like not necessarily real estate DIY related, but that is the advice that sticks with me like every and we we say it to each other all the time, too. Yeah, I think I'll use so I'll use one from her dad and I'll use one from my. <laughs> I told dad. you he's a great advice um, giver. <laughs> my dad has always told me, um, you know, if if you prepare yourself, be comfortable with the outcome. Um, I think right if you're prepared and whatever it is, and you kind of you take things step by step, and like we were talking about, you know, budgeting or what do I need or you know how am I going to get from start to finish, and mm -hmm. if you're prepared in that thing, don't worry about how it happens. Right, it, it's more about the the process of the preparation right and learning than it is about the outcome. Don't be worried about the outcome if you felt like you were prepared. Um, and I think that works career-wise and it works just as a home buyer. Um, and her dad has always told me, you know, as as the kids have grown up and as we've we've made some adjustments since we've been married, is don't sweat the small stuff. Right. That's the biggest one. Is it's like there's gonna be things that happen, right? Yeah, one, you know, it's a lifetime worth of problems being a homeowner or being a and not being a parent, because there are joys in that too. But right, but you know, you deal with a lot of things and it's like they're, Don't worry about they're it. Locked. Don't sweat it if it's small, right? The, yeah, all oh, pipe bursts or like, you know, I had, you know, we were doing one of the things and I had a toilet that leaked. I didn't put a toilet on, right? Right. Good story. I didn't put a toilet on, right? And it leaked into a closet in our first floor. And he was like, don't worry about it, man. Well, our son walked in and was like, there's a puddle. There's, there's a, a flavor room. Right. I hadn't like that. There was tile and I didn't set it. Right. Because it was different. And um, he just said, don't worry about it. Like, it's OK. Yeah. It's just water. It's fixable. You know? And as much as you feel like it in the moment, if you if you do, if you mentally think about it and say, this this affects nobody, it's a, it's something that I can fix or that somebody can fix, and it's not a problem. If you can take that like to heart, and sometimes it's hard in the moment, you you just are way better off like just yeah. mentally and with happiness to say, this is not a big deal because yeah. there are things that happen. We should make a book of my dad's name is Bob. We should make a book of Bobisms. Bob, like, yeah. don't sweat the small stuff. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, I will. Uh, I will be the first purchase order. I'll put yeah. it up. Yeah, I'll absolutely take that one. We'd have him on an episode of the podcast, and he would just like spew like relatable advice the yeah. whole time, completely irrelevant. But he'd be like, "It's just a chip in a pot, yeah. but the small stuff." Yeah, yeah, just use the things. But awesome. Well, I appreciate it, guys. Uh, once again, Michaela John Healy from Jack Conway and Situate. Really appreciate you hopping on. Not very much looking forward to continuing to watch your podcast explode here, your social media explode, but really appreciate you hopping on the podcast here. Thank you so much yeah, for having thanks. us. We look forward to seeing yours too. Go Seas. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs>